0: Our exit poll is suggesting that there will be a conservative majority when all the votes are counted.
1: I feel a bitter disappointment at the results that appears to be unfolding tonight. It's just totally devastating, isn't it? Obviously very sad the result was oh, achieved. Will
0: this horrible year never end?
1: Hello and welcome to ACFM, the home of the weird left. I'm Nadia Idol and as usual, I'm joined by Kier Milburn. Hello. And Jeremy Gilbert. Hello. And today we're talking about the post-election, um, The Come Down.
2: Guys, how's everyone feeling? Uh, other people should go first.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Kia, how are you feeling?
0: Um, I- I'm quite prepared to tell you um, my full gamut of, of emotions from uh, uh 10 p.m on that Thursday
1: yeah me too so go for
0: it well look uh, so yeah the election put the election um the exit polls come out and it honestly was like getting kicked in the stomach basically I felt it viscerally um yeah. instant um sadness uh basically uh uh it, it really hard to take and the next day as well I felt very very sad and uh, uh grumpy um And shocked. I think I was shocked by the polls. And I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily think I was um, surprised. It it was like more, it was like a weird one of like, I was definitely shocked. I had that feeling of shock where I was finding it hard to process the information. Uh, But it wasn't, um, it wasn't surprised because um, I'm quite used to uh, election Uh, exit polls give me that feeling of sadness so it was a very familiar feeling but like basically it was also shock and it might be useful to talk about shock as to give a little conceptual analysis of what shock is because I think it might help people think through what yeah Yeah. because shock I think shock is best understood as like um being overwhelmed by uh information or sensation which is what you which you find hard to process so, if you think about it like an electric shock, that is exactly what an electric shock is. You're, you're basically you get too much, like basically electricity is the mode through which our information is carried around our body. And when you get an electric shock, you just get overwhelmed by the amount of information your body can't process it, so it just sort of shuts down, basically closes off, and, and can't function. You know, and I think it works. You know, like we can understand shock in that similar sort of way, as in that you get you get overwhelmed by sort of like. Uh, uh, Perhaps unexpected information, or information that you 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 can't quite process, um, and I definitely had that where I basically wanted to close down and not think about it, and not think about anything for a couple of days, um, and then basically I started to treat the whole situation as an analytical problem, which is my way of dealing with these sorts of things. But it's useful because it then that's that makes you that that's the first stage in turning this experience from a passive experience where you're just overwhelmed to an active experience where you're, you're starting to get collective a collective grip on it and so that's what i've been basically basically doing how about you Nadia?
1: okay so i was uh, in the momentum office for the exit poll um i went there um from the marginals where i was canvassing in been canvassing for ten hours in the rain um got into the momentum office and we all sat around around the big screen and there was there was this kind of odd atmosphere because it was an antith- it wasn't so much that I felt like what, there was nervousness it was kind of like it was as if we had like removed the cover of 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 the optimism of the will. And it was like, right, there's there's nothing we can do now. There's no amount of, like, going out and talking to people. Like, this is, this, that's happened. That's done. We're just, we're going to be on the receiving end of things. And I think the, I mean, nobody said that, but it definitely felt like that. Like, we aren't actors anymore. We're going to kind of receive the whatever the tablet of stone of like the truth of the outcome that's what it felt like there was a very heavy atmosphere I thought even though everyone was being really friendly and saying hello to each other and you know there was pizza and and beer and whatever um and then we all you know, shut the lights sat in front of the big screen uh, and the results came in and it was just this deafening silence um and I felt two things well I fe- I think I don't know. I was telling other people this. I was telling people that it felt like when my friend unexpectedly died and I was at the funeral with 40 of us who were um, in a band together um, about 10 years ago and everyone was crying and I just felt like I had to be strong for everyone else. And I think that's a personal thing in terms of how I process my feelings. But there were so many tears for me in the run-up to this election. Like, I, I don't cry easily at all um, for all sorts of reasons, but there were so many tears for me. And I think that the emotion came from the fact that I really felt like we were building something and it was incredible and infrastructurally it, it's been unprecedented in the UK. But as soon as that election result came in and some people visibly started breaking down, some people were in shock, I just felt completely numb, uh, comfortably numb, as goes <laughs> this song, And... I still feel comfortably numb. I, I thought cerebrally, I thought two things. And this it, this immediately came to mind. Like within 15 minutes, I thought, fuck, I need to get a proper job and protect myself. I need, I need money. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I thought, fuck, it's going to be more difficult to walk down the streets as a woman, dressed how I want. Those are two things that I felt. And that's, like the immediate, I guess, reaction to the shit's going to go down. How do I take care of myself? And that's an odd reaction for me or a different reaction. I'm not used to feeling that. Um, I mean, I have other, that's, that's how I felt at the moment. I haven't cried since I went home. I stayed up to, to, to look at some of the things, uh, sorry, the, the results coming out for some of the marginals. I went to bed. I woke up. I read Four articles, and I've not been online or read or engaged with anything s- since. The thing I've had a visceral um, reaction to is, and a real repulsion is how I see a lot of people reacting, which I kind of am seeing as like some kind of like men- mass mental health situation and i've just been like i i I just don't want to do any of that and i I mean i can talk i want to talk about that more later but that's more as a processing rather than a reaction um i feel quite distant and quite like i'm um i'm 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 going into reserve i'm hibernating and i'm going into reserve i would say
2: yeah that makes sense
1: jeremy how did you feel
2: um well people are always uh, i'm going to talk about frustration because um, people get frustrated with me giving responses to questions like that in terms of frustration because it's not
1: they get frustrated with your frustration but just say about how you felt
2: well this is the thing i am i mean that's my main feeling if i'm honest my main feeling was one of frustration Mm -hmm. because I, i wasn't surprised um it's what i expected it's what i've expected since before 2017 for very specific reasons because I just think there was a whole dimension of our political strategy which was flawed and you know um I can tell all the stories about my you know relationship to that the, those debates and like well you know why but I know it's not it's not the kind of visceral, <clears throat> visceral story of kind of emotion of personal emotion that people often want to hear at this kind of moment but no, I can't help. That's my relationship to it. You know, it, it always reminds me, you know, I got studied once by some Italian sociologist as a supposedly <laughs> a representative of the anti-capitalist movement in Britain. So I was put in a focus group in some room at SOAS for a Saturday afternoon because Chantal Mouffe had said, oh, this is uh, Jeremy Gilbert. He's some sort of activist. Talk to him. So it was me and a bunch of other people and we were putting a focus group and they got really annoyed with me because firstly I said, there is no anti-capitalist movement in Britain. There's like 300 people who've ter- been turning up on the same demos for eight years. There's not a movement really. And they were really irritated with me for saying that. And then they started going on at me, So we don't want to hear your analysis. We want to hear how you feel. And I said, I feel frustrated that we are unable to constitute an effective counter-hegemonic force. That's how I feel. <laughs>
1: but that's a-
2: And that yeah, also but- wasn't...
1: If you're making a parallel between me asking that question and the people in your focus group, that's not what was happening. Saying that you're frustrated and you're going straight to analysis is completely fine because that's interesting, right? People have reacted to this in a different way. And if your brain has gone, and, you know, I'll let you finish whatever you wanted to say, but, like, if your head has gone there, I think one thing that's important and one of the reasons why I wanted to do this um this episode is because i feel like there's a closing down and i think this might be something that you're touching on jeremy of like the the, the there's only one proper left response and i think we're human beings and we're all different and we have different responses and your response was different to mine, different to Kia's, just based on what you've said, but carry on and and talk more about your frustration. But I just wanted to like elevate that as a, you know, we're different people. Like, yeah, yeah, I
2: I appreciate that. I I wasn't at all. I didn't think at all that you were going to have that response. I I didn't think that at all. I just, I'm just conscious. I'm I'm conscious. I'm conscious. My relationship to this stuff is, you know, is bound up with the fact that like I've been doing sort of doing, trying to do this combination of, you know, radical activism and, but also labour electoral politics. I mean, literally since the late eighties. I don't really know anyone else in that position apart from people much older than me. So I always feel like I'm slightly watching things happening from a distance and at a, at a different speed. So obviously, I mean, my first feeling obviously was just like heartbroken for all my friends who put so much into it. You know, people like you. I mean, you were the first person I thought of. Really,
0: no, I don't oh really? Remember,
2: okay. And really, you know, and really. I oh, mean, no, that's really,
1: really,
2: really nice. Sad, really sad for that reason. And, um, but also, like I say, kind of frustrated because I just, I will say, you know, I'm on record as having said this for many years. Well, this ties to your story actually, because I'll tell a story about going to the, um, the first time I ever went to the momentum office, which was very, very early in the day. Like it's a different office to the one now momentum had only really existed for a few weeks. And Sam Terry took me in to talk to, um, the office the office then consisted basically of, of J of James, Adam, Emma, John Landsman. Uh, Joe Joe Todd was there, I think, and a couple of people. That was it. Um, And I was to do a little seminar about the whole kind of political situation, about where I thought we were going, where I thought we would come from, what the possibilities were. And I kind of outlined all the situation. I outlined why I thought, you know, the Corbyn project was viable and why we would probably get more more support from sections of what what had been the sort of soft left than people might expect. Then I said, look, you've also got to accept the fact that it's just a historical reality that Labour has never, never won a parliamentary majority on a radical program like ever from opposition. It's never done that. It can't be done. Is my contention. It, the history has shown it cannot be done. We won in 1945 because we were already part of the government and we had that gave us all kinds of advantages in terms of laying the ground for a program. We, we won in 97 because we completely conceded, basically a veto over our whole program to Rupert Murdoch and the City. And you just cannot. The electoral system just doesn't let you do that. You've got to accept that you know only the only way you are going to get any electoral success with a radical program is to change the electoral system and to accept that that is going to mean working with other parties, like every other social democratic party in Europe has had to do, and and often with much more success than we have had. And if we don't accept that, we will ultimately, you know, crash on the rocks of this system, which has been built to keep us out of power. And Basically, what happened in that discussion is all the young people totally agreed with me, and then, you know, John Landsman, for whom I have a huge amount of respect, said, "Yeah, I agree with everything, but I don't agree with this stuff about proportional representation and progressive alliances and all that rubbish." And other people in the room at that time were actually were quite frustrated by that. Uh, And I kept saying all through, even through twenty seventeen, "Well, look, we're not. This is this. You know, however, however big a campaign, however however well we do, then." You know, if we don't cross that Rubicon of just accepting that this sort of fantasy of like a you know a Labour Party all on its own with a radical program winning a parliamentary majority in a system which massively is weighted in favour of the Tories, like it always has been, is just is not going to work. Halfway through that election campaign, I actually got a call from from John from Landsman, and he told he said, "Okay, look, we've sort of come round. Some of us have come round, at least some of the way to this. Okay, we're never going to talk to the Lib Dems, but we're at least trying to get something going with the Green Bar." And I talked to him about it and I suggested some other people for him to call who were more connected than I was. But it just went nowhere. In the end, like the leadership just decided not, not to go that way. And I just feel like that. And that was the moment when it was all lost from my point of view. I mean, there was never. And, and then we then, you know, we didn't do that in 2017. We didn't we didn't cross that final bridge away from kind of traditional labourism. And then, you know, it was all downhill from there. And I think it's really important to understand that in the election. The 20, look in the election, the 20, um, We were really, really scuppered by the fact that the Leave vote had a massive uh, advantage because of the first past the post system. They had four hundred constituencies. And look, I mean, this is for me. This is personal and visceral because that wasn't the first time I've made that argument. You know, I, the first time I made that argument publicly anywhere was, was at a Labour Students Conference in the early nineties, and I said then, I said, look. Given the, given the way the electoral system works, given that we live in a multi, we're in a multi party system, whether we like it or not, this was the early 90s. I said, look, there's only two ways for Labour to go. Either Labour retains its identity as a sort of radical socialist party, but it accepts it can't win a parliamentary majority on its own on that programme, and it has to enter into some kind of coalitions with other parties, whether it likes it or not. Or it can move so far to the right that it actually outflanks the centre parties you know, on the, to the right and it becomes completely unrecognisable to us as the party we've all joined. And lots of people supported the idea of supporting proportional representation. They supported all the other stuff, but they didn't. But they said, no, they said, your, your idea that Labour, if it doesn't do what you say, Labour is, is going to go so far to the right, it's unrecognisable, that's mad, that's never going to happen. Well, in the next five years, that is exactly what happened. So I feel so that's how I, I feel like I've been watching this happen, you know, for sort of thirty years, and I just feel you know, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I you know,
1: I, absolutely, that I, can't, I absolutely I absolutely I'm just I'm just gonna say one thing, and then Keir, you can jump in, which is that I'm absolutely incapable, incapable of engaging with this the the election on that level. Like I probably disagree with some of the stuff that you say Jeremy but i haven't thought out i haven't thought it out and i kind of don't want to think it out for about another year or something like i i just cannot engage whatsoever on on that kind of level of analysis which is totally fine like that's me i'm not capable of doing it i don't want to do it i want to talk about how everyone needs to get on the sesh and have more sex like, those are the things that I think people should be doing. I don't have – it's not in my physical, emotional, like, left-wing c- capability to do that. I just want to say, like, I'll just end on this point and then, ke- like, feel free to, like, jump in the analysis. But this is just to say to listeners, like, uh, I have sophisticated political ideas and none of them are going to come out on this <laughs> podcast.
0: Like, Just wait, you may, you may surprise enough. yourself now,
1: Well, no, I'm just, I just don't, I, this is not the sphere in which I'm willing to or want to talk about the election. And I, I want to be honest to myself, to, I I can't, I'm not, I don't want to talk about analysis. I want to talk about how we should have better parties and resistance. Now, but Kia, go ahead, if you want to jump into analysis, I'm not doing analysis for another year.
0: Well, I mean, basically, that that is an analysis, and we will be doing analysis. <laughs> and but, like, basically, people deal with these things in different ways. Do you know what I mean? And me, me, and uh, me, and Gem's instincts are much more to deal with events like this by bringing them into analysis. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but, 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 I wanted to do a, I wanted to do a different thing, right? So, which is, if, if Jeremy was convinced that um, this was always going to happen. Right, and I think he's more convinced now than he was um, a little while ago. Um, and, and you know, if I was if I was shocked but not surprised, you know, should we have prepared people more for the potential for defeat and the potential for sadness? Do you know what I mean? Because because even because because the last the last the sort of the pre election um, the pre election special we did, you know, we were. Quite up, we were very, you know, joyful, and that was real joy. Actually, it was real joy, and it's a joy that comes through um, a connection with others. You know, that campaign really was a joyful experience we were, in many ways. Even we were though was,
1: coming up, we were coming up at one a.m. We were. What can
0: I say? Well, it was, but it was joyful in a, in a very anxious and um, in in that very anxious way. Do you know what I mean? As in, we weren't convinced we were going to win, but there was something going on, and it was, you know, that is the joy which is you feel a connection with others, other people you haven't met. And it's cons- constantly confirmed where you, when you jump in a car with a load of strangers, go and canvas with them and basically find you, uh, you know, you are uh, intimately connected. You know what I mean? You are yes, increasing totally. each-, each other's power. And in fact, you know, you seem to be on the same page. Um, you know, that, that is a real, real thing, you know, and, and what, what we've been experiencing, what you could, you know, it's, it, in a way, it doesn't matter what's going on in your own head. You can just see it happening <laughs> around is that the movement is feeling sadness and sadness is not just that you're feeling a bit miserable. It is a very specific thing. Sadness is that feeling that your powers are diminishing because, you know, that sense of unity, that sense of collective purpose is, is splintering to some extent, you know.
1: But you have to be, you have to be like actually watching the stuff and what I'm saying is, I've not engaged. Like I've literally not engaged. I don't know what's happening in the news. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. So I'm not experienced. Maybe that's like a weird reaction, or like I'm not feeling sad. I'm just feeling like reflective. I'm in the kind. I'm reflecting on the election, and it's also Christmas and the New Year. So I'm not feeling sad, but I did have. Like, as you were saying, and, you know, like, I'm. It's, it's really nice that Jeremy, like, felt that towards me, that he was like, oh, my God, like, Nadia's been working so hard on this. I don't know. Maybe it's some, like, weird quirk of my brain, but I just didn't think about myself at all. I was like, oh, my God, it's all the 20-year-olds. Like, I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've experienced many defeats. I remember the Labour Party when they were the enemy. Like, I'm, fu- I- I'm fine. And I'm fine because I've had a really good year. Uh, because of other things that have happened in my personal life, I've had one of the best years mental health wise in a really really long time. I'm just sad that it. I guess I am sad that it ended this way, but it's a cerebral thing for me. I'm I've ex- I temporarily experienced sadness for all the twenty year olds for whom, like you said, Kia, and I think you're right. We should unpack this more. Like, should we have prepared those people for for defeat? Because I can't actually remember a build up. Experien- experiencing something that was a build-up this big, although some people say that they felt that 2017 was like that for them. But then in 2017, I didn't go canvassing. I only went did get out the vote, and I didn't know any of that stuff. So I feel a little bit. I I do feel a level of betrayal, and I'm not sure, or um, not betrayal. The other the other term I'm looking for that begins with a D. I feel. I feel like, um, deceived. I feel like something has deceived me because I didn't think there was, I basically didn't engage with the calculation. I couldn't engage. I couldn't do what I was doing and engage with the calculation that we could have lost in the way that we did. So even though I cerebrally understood that there was a big hole in my information, it was like the only way that I could keep going for six weeks was I don't know, it was like having an affair or something. It was like going to Las Vegas and having an affair for six weeks, and now it's over, and it's definitely over. And I couldn't have had that affair if I, you know, thought about my wife and kids at home or something. I don't know, like... was not it, it
2: also felt- like an experiment? I mean, to me, it feels like it was an experiment. You know, you had the, the, we have, there had to be a certain collective suspension of disbelief yeah. for a while yeah. for the experiment to be prosecuted, although I also... I feel like the experiment has verified. You know, that's partly my feeling. The experiment has verified something. Some of us have been saying for a really long time, and that it wasn't really necessary ever to take that risk. But fair enough. You know, for the experiment to be conducted, you know, people had to suspend disbelief in, you know, in a certain set of, a certain set of institutionalized political realities.
0: But but isn't it like it's not just a six week thing? Like we basically we sort of got trapped into a sort of like um, a suspension of disbelief by 2017, by the 2017 election. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what you're feeling, Nadia, which is sort of, all right, I need to look, I you mean, know, I need to sort of protect myself a little bit here. Like, I, you know, need to perhaps I need to go and get a job and protect myself and get a job, which, you know, pays, pays some money to protect myself against all of this shit that's coming. That is partly an effect of the fact that that, that sense, the 2017 election gave us this sense that, that, that a, a, a left wing Labour government was close, near, basically, it could be a couple of years away, and that gives that sort of temporality is very, very different to a sort of temporality where you're thinking at least five, perhaps ten years of preparation. Do you know what I mean? You know, that's the yeah. temporality, t- temporality in which you sort of suspend things and think what, you no, know, what are the most what what needs to be done now to give us a chance? Do you know what I mean? And and basically, don't you have to always go for those opportunities? <laughs> I think you do.
1: Yeah, I do. Also, I do. Yeah, go on, Jeremy. Go no, no, you, no, you. no, I was just going to say one little point, which is, you know, and this, this might sound a bit like techie and, I don't know, like NGO corporate, but I think there's a theory of change problem that's gone on in this situation. I think... The the suspension of disbelief bit, which is irking me, is like, okay, did we suspend disbelief over the fact that we could do this through mobilising and not organising? Because organising and mobilising are two completely different things.
2: No, 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 I don't think that at all. No, that's not what I
1: mean. But I think, not in response to you, but I think if from my vantage point where I was working in the arena that I was working in, I feel like there was a bit of that. It's like if, if we just mobilise more people, we can win this thing. That was the work that I was involved in. That's what we were doing. It was about numbers and contact, numbers and contact, numbers and contact. Whereas I know from you know, my expertise that where the groundwork has not been done, like people see things very, very differently. And that's why deep organizing is really important. And there was part part of like deep organizing as, you know, a theoretical basis, like informed what, what I did. But I feel like I'll take a year to think about that stuff, you know, to want to go back to it.
0: But that was like basically that, you know, but I, uh, that was the thing that, that the only unknown in this election was what effect the ground campaign would have because it was a level of ground campaign we haven't seen for like 20 30 years or something so like uh, you know the fucking 50,
2: we've not seen anything like that since
0: the 50 yeah 50. you're right actually yeah you're right no no but but that was it wasn't it like you know oh as far as like um, you know brexit trapping us in in the polls from the from from leave you know all of that was set in that was it. the only unknown was what effect would the ground campaign have so that was the suspension of this belief was we have to fucking do what's necessary to give that its best chance, you know, in the most unopportune of circumstances. Because, I'm, I, you know, I'm not sure. I think absent Brexit, if May's Brexit had happened in the election, you know, May's withdrawal agreement had happened and the election happened in, you know, 18 months' time or something, in more precipitous circumstances in the spring, you know, perhaps that would have been enough to get us over the line. Even then, though, I think we would have faced a really big problem, i.e. we hadn't backfill, backfilled the movement. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Corbyn was a fluke. The Corbyn election... You know, Corbyn being elected as Labour leader was a fluke. And that was the chance, basically. That opened up an opportunity. Um, uh, but that opportunity, it was always premised on the idea that we would backfill or retcon a movement into place. You know, usually it's the other way around. Usually, you know, we get a movement and then a leader is the figurehead of that movement and they produce produce lots more possibilities, you know. (laughs) Uh, And when we look back at it now, we'd say, well, look, a movement has come into place, in fact, to some degree. In fact, I'd I'd like to do a sort of like my generation left sort of analysis because in some ways it's sort of been confirmed. that It's been confirmed I was over... (laughs) over-optimistic but in some ways it's been confirmed because it there's nobody pretending that age isn't the big sort of divider in this in this election it was just starkly obvious Uh, my my analysis was always that like you know um 2008 the crisis of 2008 you know that broke a a generation or a couple of generations from neoliberalism the few the neoliberal future that was offered to them is no longer available so they become available for a different sort of future to be offered. But the circumstances are, you know, you need... That doesn't mean you go to the left necessarily. You need people to, you know, propose a different future for for that. And that, fu- that, that future got proposed by basically a generational unit, as Mannheim would say, like a small core got produced in 2010, 2011. You know, and the Corbyn moment, the opportunity of Corbyn basically gave the opportunity for that core... And, you know, the, all of the all of the people who were drawn around that core, people like S3 who were a, a little bit older, you know, the, the Corby moment has made it possible for that generational unit, the generational core of 2010, 2011 to basically hegemonize the, the generation of 2008. Do you know what I mean? They also sort of hegemonized a slightly older generation in 2017, you know, the sort of Forty to fifty-year-olds, and that's the, that was the place where it where it weakened this this time, you know. That's a that is a very that is a huge thing that puts us in a much much stronger position than we were in twenty fifteen, right? It proved circumstances proved that we, it that it wasn't possible to get us an electoral majority, you know. Partly because partly because the over sixty fives basically have a completely and complete and utter, utterly different conception of what's possible you know
1: no but the conception of the world i mean i think you're right you you've both said yes this this were my ideas before the election and this is why i was right and i'm trying to think of an equivalent so i can make you know that argument but i think i mean my argument would be uh, um, somewhere along, along the lines of like labor's lost its base but you know i think i don't i don't want to have a big debate with jeremy over this but i'm you know like if 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 labour is not, are not the people on the ground for a certain percentage of the population, that is going to and they are the establishment and there are shit labour councils. You know, like as you guys know, I live in the suburbs. I don't live in the quote unquote, and I hate this quote like left behind northern towns, which are all talked about in some kind of like. Massive lump of all of these places that, you know, some of us don't even know where they are, and we should just own it, that we don't know where these places are, rather than, like, pretend that we can speak on behalf of them. But where I have something in common is I've seen the effect of a shit Labour Council um, on uh, people's psyche of, like, what the Labour Party is, and there are things like that. There's so many different variables, but I... Believed, I believed that we would be able to overcome those. I really did. I thought we would win. I thought hope would win. You know, like I, I've jo- I joined the Labour Party because Jeremy Corbyn. I know as an activist, right? John McDonnell. I know as an activist. Like these dudes, as far as I'm concerned, are like solid comrades, right? I joined the Labour Party because of them. Like I'm you know and i you know i'll say this for the record like i would rather pull out my toenails than get involved in any sort of internal labor party or momentum labor leader selection stuff i'm way more likely to get involved in extinction rebellion things even though i've never done anything on the environment in my fucking life I'm way more likely to do that than get involved in any way in that stuff. I was only there because those guys were there. And I want people who are, you know, 20, 25 to know that activism does not all exist in terms of like parliamentary politics. It doesn't. Like if people want to do other things and build the resistance elsewhere and build the ground game, like go for it. Like, you know, be true to who you are. Like if you want to do all of that labor selection stuff, fine if that's where your vibe is but you know i'm not i'm not a trotskyist for various reasons it's not just ideological it's like i can't deal with that shit neither at my clp which i didn't even know what clp was a few years ago or at a council level like people have said to me like Nada, you should become a counselor i'm like are you fucking kidding me have you met me like no (laughs) i want to do acfm that's who i am um, so anyway, that was, my, that was my spiel on that. But, like, you know, not everyone has to engage now on every level, which is why I think, you know, everyone needs to chill out and then find, find themselves again after the long affair. We
0: go. I do think people are going to have to become counsellors. <laughs> uh, I don't know.
1: That's fine, but not everyone has to be. I don't want to see the narrowing. But I'm no worried you're about the that. narrowing. No, no, you know
2: when you're saying everyone has to be. I mean no one is saying everyone has to be but I think it's I think it's really important to get away from that. one of the fun, the problems one of the things that we haven't got over that we're going to have to to get any kind of success on the left is this kind of you know it's basically a kind of identity politics. I mean what worries me about what you're saying to be honest is that you oh, well basically you joined the Labour Party because you identified with John and Jeremy and I just think, we ha- you know, that never gets you anywhere. Like We have to accept, we all have to accept the complexity of the terrain. And the collective terrain is, yeah, actually electoral politics does operate according to a different logic, the movement politics or kind of identity politics. And we have to figure out how to hold them all together in a certain way to, to be able to actually get outcomes that we want. And that's not saying there's any prescription of what anybody has to do. That's not saying any one person, no one person can be expected to do everything. But it does, but also I think... I worry, that violent emotional rejection, I'm seeing that from a lot of people, you know, that vi- part of the sadness now is this kind of violent rejection of, you know, what they see, actually, as a kind of demand from people like me. It's like, you've got to start now, start taking fucking shit seriously that we've been talking about for years that you didn't want to
0: i just, what What I was trying to say was, um, like, basically, there there will have to be some sort of turn towards municipal politics, basically, and, like, you know, an attempt to... to to introduce radical politics into the municipal sphere, because the, the parliamentary sphere is closed yeah. off for us for for at least five years. Basically, it be I mean, yeah, you yeah, know. And so, right. the, in some ways, that that was that one of the weaknesses of of what happened after twenty seventeen was the focus. It was very hard to drag the focus away from parliamentary politics because the timescale was seemed really shortened. Now the timescale's opened up, and we need to build all of the parts of a, of an the ecology of the left. That got neglected in, in uh, you know, the ever and uh, during the last couple of years, you know, and th- there seems to be no doubt to me that like one of those things will be, you know, a turn towards, um, you know, community and trade union politics, you know, and, and partly that's going to be dictated by, by Boris and Boris Johnson and you know that Parliament. They have really have no solutions. I think. I think they'll think about trying to do some sort of performative, um, pretend social democracy in the north, but they're not gonna. They're not gonna have the, the the funds to do that. They're not gonna have the inclination to do that in any serious way. So their basic program is um, to try to fuck up the left, basically, ban strikes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, try to draw the left into into a culture war thing. You know, so basically, there's gonna be that defensive battle has to be turned into an offensive battle for us basically not on the culture war thing but on you know
1: but also illegal okay not legal or illegal but surely it's not just on the level of municipal council surely like we need like really epic parties stage left into yeah. jeremy like well, you know you yeah, yeah you're
2: right. i mean you're right well i think well it was well one of the most interesting like um Things to come out of all the reports from people canvassing and the people's sense of what was the obstacle to us being able to persuade people to vote for us was this really specific analysis that there's a certain you know it was it was like in Spinoza's terms it was sad affect yeah. it was our great obstacle you know the fact that people there's a whole set of people they're either very old and they're very they're, they're invested in a, just in a totally defensive response now yep. to kind of advance neoliberalism and the, the nature of the defensive response is you've got to protect your assets.
1: Because no one else, no,
2: everything else is gone and, and they won't be able to bring it back. Or they're younger and it's just a sense of complete disconnection, and hopelessness. So there is no question that, you know, everybody's saying we're going to need community organizing, we're going, to need, we're going to need municipal politics. And all that is going to have to be organized around, I would say, a strategy of collective joy. I think it's, it's really important and all the evidence we get from things like community organising is and this is why we're serious when we talk about collective joy and, and people really have to understand when we talk about it we don't just mean everyone getting on one I mean that's part of it the point is all the evidence is from things like community organising is if you just run a campaign saying to everyone "Looked how fucked everything everything's fucked you should be angry people just get more miserable and desolate because yeah. they know how fucked everything is yeah. you've got to create opportunities however low level, for people to feel a sense of collective empowerment. And if all that is is like a street lunch,
0: you know, yeah. it's,
2: it's better. If that's all it that is, if you can't even get a win from the council, which is good if you can, if you can't even get a win over like tenant rights or something, which is good if you can, at least people like coming together and feeling some sense of, you know, some... Percent of potential solidarity is really, really crucial I couldn't, that's couldn't really crucial
1: couldn't agree more and I think I think like that's why I think it was episode three that we were talking about what we we're doing like taking a bus round and then having like a rave and also <laughs> yeah. like an exhibition of manhole covers or whatever like like I th- it's almost like the time is now for 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 that kind of creativity and I just think people yeah. should explore like do whatever they can and all obviously we've got you know the law is not going to be on our side and resources not going to be on our side but people have built the infrastructure of connecting with each other in a way some people anyway i'm not going to pretend that i speak for a whole area of the country that's not been touched by the kind of mobilizing because this has not been everyone but the people who have been involved in the mobilizing themselves as you were touching on jeremy when you were talking about like what what was it about the canvassing experience like we should take that. You know, we want people to have to relate to be able to relate to each other from them, but also to other people, just as human beings.
0: There was a there was an interesting article. There, I can't remember who, who where it was, where, where somebody was saying um that somebody was reporting from Wakefield, which is just not not a million miles from me where I'm sat now, uh, and saying you know, oh, you know, we, we had this advice to organise some parties, but how can I organise parties around here? You know, most of the people are in their seventies. Do you know what I mean? So I do think it's that. Like, we have to think about... So so this is it. This is my provocation then, right? You know, um, do we have to rethink the ACFM or the AC project, right? Because in some ways, I think we were caught... We, we sort of developed out of that what you might call euphorocorbinism that followed, followed 2017. Do you know what I mean? That big f- feeling of euphoria that um, the world had changed, etc. Um, But in fact, our actual practices... Ie our podcasts and our our actual practice when we go around to do consciousness raising sessions they're, they're actually quite a lot more sober. Do you know what I mean? They're not read really, our, our consciousness raising sessions they are about starting from people's experiences and then trying to work out the structural forces. And I think that might be part of the the cultural differences that they're, they they that if people live in this sort of like monocultural white and to be perfectly frank old community with no young people and no multicultural uh, element then what what are the experiences you start from you know to make them connect to the wider world do you know what I mean I'm quite got that but I think it might be a part of that solution to how do we how do you take the sort of consciousness raising practices we've been thinking about which are probably urban to this the villages and small towns do you know what I mean which is the great divide now it's like you know the the larger towns the cities they're young and they're left. The smaller towns and the villages, they are old and they are right. I don't
1: know that I agree with you, Kia. Well, I, I feel really un- uncomfortable about the way multiculturalism has been brought up. And I don't feel like I can comment on that. I don't want to talk about like multiculturalism and like whether somewhere like as white or like people of other, other skin colours. I just kind of, I don't know. I think maybe because I think about multiculturalism as the kind of Blair project rather than multiculturalism in the kind of like nice experiential way um uh and i don't know i think i think actually i i don't i don't know maybe part of the reason why i don't want to say anything for a year apart from on um, acfm actually i should say first that i don't i i don't agree that acfm came out of the euphoria um of 2017 and the C the sea was always ambiguous and i'm happy for it to be ambiguous and there's about Six or seven shows that I can see coming up that that I would like us to do on like Utopias, Desires, all sorts of different things that I think are uh, that will of course like be part of the the reality that, that the, the kind of changed reality that we are finding ourselves in or like the worsening reality or, or whatever. But also I just think personally, and this is not a comment for you, like this is not a comment on you guys who are obviously like two of my favorite people in the whole entire world or else I wouldn't enjoy doing this podcast with you. But I think there is an arrogance in us saying what we need to do is reach people in the small towns or what we need to do is go to the villages. It's just like, I just want us to shut up really I think, and I've listened for some, there's a lot that we don't know. That's what I feel. And I don't, this is not like, like I said, it's not about you two and what you've said and you've said amazing things in this podcast, but, but this whole, like, we need to reach, we need to do this. We need to do this. It's like, well, we're not the people who voted this or this situation in there's all sorts of separated out groupings of people who, their perception of the world and their experience of the world is different. And I think the organising needs to start from the ground up. And I think you can only intervene with like, I don't know, you know, I don't know that we can intervene for those people right now. I don't think it's us that can. I think people will find their own way and then we'll meet them in five years.
0: Well, I sort of agree with you. Basically, it, it, but my main point is this, right, is um we have to protect what we've got, <laughs> and what we've got is a movement which has got hegemony over young people under for the, at the end of forties right that is the starting point uh and we don't need to go and convince everybody over sixty five of uh, of the error of their ways. We just need to you know basically get into those constituencies and find uh, a big enough proportion of whoever. Uh, to, uh, to 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 win them back at you know the next election, and I agree with Jeremy. Then you can change the electoral system, and um, you know a lot of these tensions become diminished to some degree. But um, but you're right though, Nadia, right. You're right in that um, the only way we can do that uh, is to do some proper class composition analysis of like you know who who like what the people who do work in those areas. What work do they do, and what affordances to those work does that work? you know, what sort of political sort of framings is that for those, political, does those um, types of work and other, other parts of life as well? You know, what sort of political framings do those do those life experiences, you know, uh, incentivize or disincentivize? I don't think we've found that yet. Uh, it, perhaps it's not a job for us, right? Perhaps it's not a job for, for us three in particular. <laughs> but I think that's the, the task of the movement to some degree.
2: Well, i would say it's important to know one of i mean one of the most perceptive responses i saw to the election in the experiences of canvassing talking about the sort of racialized experience of, sort of some of the older people they, the prejudices of the racialized nature of the prejudices of some of the older people they met i mean this guy's account also said you know it was it was really generational but i mean there is a uh, the, and that you know amongst people under sort of 50 I mean really I mean people you know sort of my age and younger who he met he said the problem who were working class like the problem wasn't that they were kind of racist and they weren't voting Tory Mostly they were just still not voting at all and you look at the statistics for turnout that's kind of borne out like we haven't really we haven't motivated enough of the kind of younger you know younger working class people who don't who don't read the mail all of a sudden anymore you know, who, who who don't actually have a coherent, a sort of nationalist ideology, but are completely disconnected from from any kind of politics. Like it's them, we haven't kind of mobilised. I think we do. You know, our project is, you know, we, we've said before we just we've said we've said many times actually that the AC project is, isn't well. Actually, no, we've talked about whether it's for everyone, and we said it could be. In some ways, it is. and In some ways, it isn't. But but I think it does, you know, have something to say about well, the question of how would you connect up with people. Who have quite shit lives, but they actually they don't actually share the kind of nationalistic orientation of their parents. So they live in a highly You Give
1: them something and and not expect anything in return. That's what you do. If if we who who we who live in the south and or Kia, you know, from in the cities, who like you know are intellectuals but also human beings, we go and give if you if we're gonna intervene in other people's arenas and lives where our lives are not anything like theirs in a way but also are very much like theirs because we're human beings we give them something and expect nothing in return that's that's what you do you that's the kind of community organizing
2: well i think that's probably right i mean it's also the nature of solidarity years. to someone
1: yeah, yeah yeah and then that builds the concept of solidarity it builds the concept of possibility because asking people to hope it turns out, was a really big fucking ask.
2: Yeah, I think that's hope true.
1: That things can be different was a really big ask when you don't have the same historical analysis and kind of networks of solidarity like we do.
2: That's, well, you're right. And, I mean, I I, and I, I, you know, it's a really important point that the most, historically, how do you how do you kind of radicalise communi- you know, communities and build bridges between them? Well, one of the best ways is always to show up for other people's struggles.
1: Exactly. You With
2: know, other people are in trouble, you show up for them and you show support. You know, and um and that's the—I mean—that was the kind of that was the method in uh, the high point of kind of radicalization in the seventies and early eighties. Actually, there was a big practice of you know people from one oppressed group or other showing up to support others and building relations of solidarity. The trouble is, what you do when there aren't any struggles going on in those places, when those places are so downtrodden and, and the unions have all been gone for years so they're, they're not struggling. They're just—they're de- just doing it. A the aesthetic. problem is then, what do you do? Yeah. Then, that's where we really have a problem, actually. You well, know,
1: I don't know. I think there's there's other things like in terms of like people's local heritage where there's been like no investment in like the the interesting and weird and wonderful histories of these people of, you know, various different like towns and, and villages and whatever. And like you go and put a radical spin on it and like you put on an event or or you go and organize with local people and you take over a boarded or, up shop and you like do something that like. That's the kind yeah. of thing that you know. You I think that's right. Yeah, you do you do time. something, and you just think, "Fuck it, it's an experiment," and and that that's what you do.
0: But I also think though that there's like when there's not that when there's not active antagonistic struggle going on, what there is are you know practices of solidarity, basically, and you know projects of mutual mutual aid, you know, going on in all in in, in you know all of these smaller towns where where poverty uh, you know is still a big problem and by you know anecdotally you know the people who run those projects are women over the age of 65 basically you know that 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 would be one of your ins that's one of your ins how can we add how can we add scale and force to the to the practices you're already doing do you know what I mean yeah exactly. and for when, yeah, when yep. you do research into like what's going on in the area those active older women are your key points of contact you know what I mean so, so, Nadia is right. We, like, you know, we can we can analyze the, ge- the general trends, which are young people are just leaving these areas, and so, of course, the other people who are who are your active ins to those areas are the young people who left those areas, went to university, went to the cities, and are now on buses going back to those <laughs> to have a very miserable yeah, yeah. Uh, argumentative Christmas with them. But, you know, but that, that that's one of the one of the other ins. But then you have to break it down and think, you know, what is going on in the, in, in sort of, uh, you know in Bury, you know, what 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 practice of solidarity are going on in there? You know, what are the different sectors that we could have a much more of an in to than property pensioners, right? Who are the most difficult sector for us to reach, I think. You know, that is the starting point, And we haven't we haven't even started to think about how you do that. But I would say another thing is that like one of the other things we do need to do is like, you know, a big program of political education not in the sense of like just providing these people with, with the right ideas, although there will be some, some of that, but also, you know, that bit of starting from people's experiences and then trying to move out to sort of you know, a much better understanding of the forces which are constructing, uh, constricting their lives. Do you know what I mean? Because those people have been won over to the idea that the European Union is the thing that has been holding back society. Do you know what I mean? That's a failure of political education.
2: I think that's a good point, yeah, and it and it comes back. Is, I think it, I wanted us to come back to the point you raised. Actually, that I felt we didn't um, really address, which is about preparing people for the possibility of defeat, preparing the possibility of sadness. Because I was sort of well, I just want to know from Kier actually. For, well, the first thing I've got. I mean, I can say things, but what? What? I mean, either of you, what would it have looked like if we if we didn't prepare people for defeat or sadness? Because I felt personally, you know, <clears throat> like we know this. Like every time I talked to anybody or got interviewed by anybody, so younger in the past. You, you two years i've said you know if you if you look at the big picture you look at the trends it would be very optimistic to think we're going to get over the line this time we, we've made loads of progress but if you look at the big trends it's much more likely we're still a few years away and apart from just saying that to people and, and trying to say to people you know look it's a long struggle it's a marathon not a sprint you know we're do, we, you doing really well we're doing really brilliantly but that's Apart from doing that, I mean, what else could have been done? I mean, on a movement level, like what would it mean to prepare people for the possibility of defeat? Because I suppose I would say, I, I'll, I'll answer it in a new answer, since I'm talking. Look, partly I would say, yeah, that whole issue of political education, not just in terms of proselytising to other people, but political education within the movement, I think is really yeah, is really important. And frankly, like the stuff I said at the start, I was frustrated about and I bang on about. I mean, part of my frustration is look. I'm, I'm not. I'm not joking. Like in most countries in the world, it's just considered normal for any political party to have a strong political education program, to have summer schools and stuff. And a situation where most. When I say to people, most people, all right, you do realize when we won the 1945 election, we were we were in government. We went from opposition. people go, God, yeah, I never thought of that. I mean, just those basic facts about the electoral history of the party. Look, it's not normal to have a political culture where people don't know that stuff, and it's normal not to know it. But that's know, people, that
1: you... was taken away on, like, on purpose. There was a project for all of that history to be.
2: Well, that's partly true, but it's all, it's not entirely true. I mean, okay. The pa- Labour Party always was really shit on that stuff. But there was a big argument about it in the 80s. You know, that's why the political ed- the reason every branch still has a political education officer. It's because actually it was a big, that didn't exist before the 80s. And it was actually a big demand more from the soft left, from the kind of Kinnikite soft left, than from the hard left that we had to do political education could you describe
1: so we, what that actually is because what like, what what do you mean like in a date like what does it look like are we talking about these things are we talking about pro, like what what does it look like to have a political i think education just well? i think
2: the first thing is that they should be, you know they should at least be like publications like little pamphlets and websites for party members just giving a basic account of like of, of political history like what's the history of the party what have what have been our successes and failures? How does the electoral system actually work, and like, and how do we think we got to where we are now in two thousand eight? You know, you could do, you can do it all in a twenty-page pamphlet, you know, and just give it to members. I don't even mean like stuff, you know, you are going out to persuade other people, but it's just insane that that doesn't happen. There's no videos about this. There's nothing online, you know. There's nothing. It's not you. You just, you know, and I think it's that. And that's like I keep saying, that's not normal. It's not some pie in the sky stuff. That I'm saying should exist. Like it's it's just considered the normal part of of what it means to have a political party or a political movement in in most countries. And this, and I think it is it is a symptom of this kind of endemic anti intellectualism in English culture. I think more you know, specifically English, not not even Scottish and Welsh or Irish. That you know people have been complaining about for decades. But so that, I would say that is one of the things. One of the things that could have prepared people, I think, for the shock for that shock without demotivating them. And I don't think it would have demotivated them. You know, is to have a much stronger sense of well, where we think we fit now in a history of struggle. What is the nature of our moment now? Yeah. Because if you have a clear eyed sense of that history, this is why, you know, I get frustrated because they don't want a history. If you have a clear eyed sense of that history, you would understand that actually, look, exactly as we've all been saying, the, the rebuilding, the revivification the of the left Really, only since 2015, to be honest, you know, is an extraordinary achievement. And on the other hand, any the idea that that we could get from where we were four years ago to actually forming the most radical government in 70 years is just silly. You know, it was, it was clearly there's no there's no physical way you can achieve that.
1: You know, but, so but am um, just from what you're saying there, it's just like the achievements have everyone, actually been massive.
2: Yeah, exactly. What we've done is massive. That's the thing. And it's ma- it, it, what we've done is massive. And, and I think we've done as much as could have been done at this stage. I think there are, mm. you know, as I've said, there are strategic mistakes and strategic opportunities that weren't taken. But, you know, I think it is, it's is—it's a huge achievement to have got where we've got to. And frankly, in t- look, in terms of the Labour Party, it, it's an absolutely, it's a, it's a huge achievement that the favourite to be leader of the Labour Party right now is is Keir Starmer, who's going to go for a historically conventional soft left position it whereas you know it four years ago it was considered completely insane to, i mean it was considered a long shot that andy burnham might get it on on that platform you know on a platform well to the right of where we are now so that is a big achievement i mean there is something has been achieved really colossally but that's not the point i mean the, the, the question is what I, i'm sorry i've gone on and i wanted to know really from you too that like what in addition to that stuff i just said like what what would it have meant to prepare people for that possibility of defeat and sadness? And is there other is there other stuff we could have done or should have done?
0: Well, I mean, it, it, no, you're right. Basically, it, it, like the the main thing is to add some sort of perspective to pull us out of the two year, the two year um, focus of, from tw- of twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen. But the other thing it would be would be, and you know, let's let's be honest. You know, we've tried our best in this podcast to add some, <laughs> add a bit of. Um,
1: Hysterocity.
0: Hysterocity. Yes. Yeah. No. There's no doubt about His- it. Hysterocity. Yes. I always get that
1: one <laughs> wrong. I, I wrong know. It's right. Hysterosity just
0: sounds better.
2: I'm saying now. Hysterosity <laughs> sounds better. Everyone say that now.
0: But the only other thing is like there's only one. I, I like you know. I can understand Nadia's response, which is I don't want to get. I don't. I want to get off social media, and I don't want to get my head in this stuff. But like the only, the only, the only answer to both sadness. and, Right in a Spinozan sense, and shock—you know—that overwhelming of information is to collectively process it. You know what I mean? And so, and and to be fair, the World Transform put out a, you know, a guide to how to have a sort of a sort of debrief sessions, collective debrief sessions, etc. Um, yeah, but, but so the only other thing would have been to try to prepare, you know, so that people had those things to plug into. So that you know, that either momentum branches or CLPs would automatically. The rev, the the avenues through which you would, would do those sort of debrief sort of sessions collectively process this together, but perhaps also no to sort way. of like say there's a
1: anything. Oh God, I couldn't, I couldn't. But okay, good, good, good. This is no, what. No, but thinking?
0: the the other thing would be to sort of like say to to add perspective now, which is you know we're speaking whatever it is. How long how long is it since the election? I've lost all track. To Ten days, twelve days, or something.
1: I survived.
0: Like this is the pro, this is the point at which and you can see sadness on a, on a collective level as in the breaking of unities and tensions emerging etc and all these sorts of things do you know what i mean but you know we should have some sort of sense of like um you know what happens in the first 10 days uh, is not there's not a really a particularly good guide to what happens in the in the three months that follows do you know what i mean it could be but basically people are processing shock basically um, and, you know, the way you process shock is to gradually get some sort of active control over it by gradually getting a, a, a grip on the on what's going on. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, you know, outrage and panic at, like, really quite shoddy takes is not that. You know, I, I basically, I think the data is going to come in that will allow a, a fairly sensible analysis of what's going on to take hold. Do you know what I mean? No matter how much you know, the Labour right want to sort of, like, push through, they want to use this this shock to try to push through a sort of expulsion of the left, I imagine they're not going to succeed in that. So it's like that. Yeah. Add perspective, not only to the last um, two years, not only to the last six weeks, but also to the, our current moment of shock, um, you know, and so staying off social media in that sense and not like falling out of when it probably is quite a sensible thing to do to some degree.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, trying to respond to Jeremy's question, could we have prepared people? My feeling is like, no, but people could we have prepared people? No. are people better prepared if they have a sense of history and in a very visceral experiential sense are not like in a crazy mental health like now, 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 tweet, tweet, hot take, hot take how I'm feeling today, I can't even remember yesterday which is a function of neoliberalism the further away you are from that in the way that you experience life as a human being the better off you'll probably be obviously relationships with friends and family and comrades like fits in there so Can some people have been better prepared than others? Yes. Could we have prepared them and also ran the campaign that we ran? Um, I think no. Like, uh, I think, unfortunately, I think age does play into this. Like, I think if you've been doing this for a longer time, you probably recover better because you see the arc of history as being long whether you think it bends towards justice or not, I think it bends towards justice. Um, but I, so I don't think that the, the, the last thing I'll say, I'll just wait until you guys finish. Um, uh, and then, yeah, or I can say them now, which is like what I think people should do.
2: No, say it now. I, don't, I don't have anything to add really.
1: Okay. I, I definitely think like it's Christmas. I don't know when this is going out. Like this is a time of reflection for a lot of people. It definitely is for me, not because of any particular link with Christmas, but with how i feel and how i socialize uh, etc i think it's okay to feel numb it's okay to be in mourning would rather people be in mourning than in some kind of like melancholy um and i say like it's like it's okay for people to completely de-delink from what's going on and i don't don't feel like you'll lose your identity going back to your identity point if you're not involved now 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 and you don't want to do things this this second i just think you don't have to have a hot take and you don't have to get involved. And it's only 12 days since the defeat, like take the time off, be with your friends, like get on the sesh, like take more drugs or not like have sex, all of those human things and go for a nice long walk, have more, definitely have more sex. I think everyone having more sex now would be better. Slow down. I'm going
0: to write these down. (laughs)
1: Going for a long walk, like go for long walks, relate to yourself as a human being in varied and multiple ways that you know listen to your favorite music like if you need to mourn mourn but if you're like me in a state where you're you're not feeling those feelings that's fine don't feel like you need to go to every single meeting you need to regroup because i am definitely not feeling like i want to regroup my regrouping is probably going to happen in six months time and that's okay that's all i'm saying i want it to be okay for people to not to regroup there we are. And kill the hot take. I don't want anyone's hot take on anything until two weeks down the line. And happy Christmas. There we go. <laughs> that might actually be <laughs> a good
0: point to leave it because it, it probably will be good for the left to 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 go back and spend some miserable time with their families, <laughs> uh, but just to have a little bit of a, a break from continuous activity over the over the Christmas period.
1: And like you said, Kia, which before we started recording, that time where they end of endless Sundays or whatever between Christmas and New Year is really special because neoliberalism kind of, like, doesn't operate on exactly the same way yeah. that it does. So take advantage of I it. I
2: agree. We, we are, are, we under should... acid communism, it will be Christmas every day. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: that period between
0: Christmas and New Year's, when uh, money stops to have purchase and it's replaced by cheese. Cheese becomes yes. the medium of <laughs> exchange. Yes. The cheese store of value. Cheese and chocolate. <laughs> amazing. That's that's what we want okay onwards comrades to the cheese cheese, uh, fully automated cheese communism (laughs) I'll see you after the break (laughs)